Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. All right, guys. I'm going to be doing some more reading out of this book, Our Sacred Cow History. How the battle for our heritage and culture has turned into a war for the very survival of our people. It's by uh, L. Reagan O'Carroll, it's a female author. And uh, I'm going to be reading, I think, chapter 17 and 18 here. Chapter 17 is called Old Testament Racial Truths. And it starts off with a quote. It says, if I were not an atheist, I would believe in a God who would choose to save people on the basis of the totality of their lives and not the pattern of their words. I think you would prefer an honest and righteous atheist to a TV preacher whose every word is God, 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 and whose every deed is foul, foul, foul. That's a quote by uh, Isaac Asimov. Okay, so to get started... It says, uh, if people would use God's word as their final authority, I wouldn't have to defend him. But the scriptures have been twisted to fit a sacred cow theology and worldview that God never created or intended in his holy word. How can preachers and teachers of this twisted theology call themselves spreaders of God's word? They should study their Bible just a little better. Maybe I should purchase them a good concordance. Biblical, quote, scholars, teachers, preachers, and religious leaders all say that the Bible does not teach that interracial marriage is wrong. Ken Ham, Carl Weiland, and Don Batten wrote a book called, quote, One Blood that even goes so far as to claim that as long as both are believers in Christ, it doesn't matter what race or color you are, go ahead and get married. They even claim that their book is, quote, the biblical answer to racism. Now my sacred cow is choking. Besides, this directly contradicts the holy word of God. Shame on Ken Ham and the others, and shame on these, quote, theologians. They must not study their Bible, because according to their way of thinking, God is the first racist. It is God who said to separate, who said to stay separate. It is God who said to only marry your own kind. It is God who said, quote, Behold, I have created all things, and look at what a great job I have done. Isn't my creation great? God said all of his creation was good. All, every bit. <clears throat> Racism is teaching people to be indifferent to their own kind to the point of genocide. All races lose when interracial marriage occurs. All races lose when any race is destroyed by interracial marriage. This is not God's way. This is man's way. <clears throat> Theologians, pastors, and religious leaders will teach their sacred cow theology and declare that God only disapproves of interfaith marriages, not interracial marriages. They won't show you what I've shown you in the Word of God. And then these th same, quote, theologians will go to great lengths to prove from Scripture that there are cases where interracial marriage was accepted. How can they call themselves theologians? They should study their Bible just a little better. 
I've already shown you how Rahab, a heathen, was not in the lineage of Christ. I've proved how Ruth, who was in the in the who was in the lineage of Christ, was not a heathen, or not a non-Israelite, or a non-Hebrew. Your sacred cow is definitely going to need support through this next session. Be sure and hold her hoof. There's a lot of sacred cow theology to correct, and it's going to get interesting. It's time to look at the rest of the Old Testament texts that are, quote, proof for sacred cow syndrome theology that God accepts race mixing. It's time to prove your sacred cow is wrong and God is right. Hold on. Okay. So, one, Moses, one wife or two, Zipporah. Moses was from the tribe of Levi. After he killed the Egyptian and fled to the wilderness, he lived in the land of Midian where his racial cousins resided. The priest of Midian was named Reuel, or Jethro. Jethro gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses to be his wife. Reuel means, quote, friend of God. He was the priest of Midian. Obviously, they are worshippers of the God of heaven. At first glance, this appears to be interracial mixing. We know who the tribe of Levi was. Levi was the son of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Who were the Midianites? Genesis 25.1 gives us the answer. Quote, Abraham took another wife after the death of Sarah, whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Well, how about that? Abraham was the father of the Midianites. The Midianites were descended from Abraham and racially were of the same stock as Moses. Racial purity is central to God, and Moses did not marry outside his race. End of story. If a layperson could figure that out, any theologian could have figured that out. For that matter, anyone reading the Bible with a concordance can figure this out. Remember, kind after kind. <clears throat> 2. Moses and the Ethiopian or Cushite woman. In Numbers 12, Miriam and Aaron, the siblings of Moses, get themselves into trouble because of their jealousy over the authority that Moses has. They decide to use his wife against him. Quote, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian or Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian or Cushite woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Sibling rivalry at its meanest. Two chicken to attack Moses directly as siblings attacked his wife instead. As a result, Miriam is stricken with leprosy, Aaron is contrite, and they both recognize the God-given authority of Moses. Biblical, quote, scholars with an inclusive worldview practically salivate over this example. They gleefully point to Moses and his, quote, Ethiopian or Cushite wife, claiming that she was black, and therefore Moses married outside his race. Where do they get this idea? It is because the King James uses the word, quote, Ethiopian and not Cushite. The word in Strong's is 3569, and the Hebrew word is Cushi, which means patron from 3568, a Cushite or descendant of Cush. 3568 is Cush or Cush or Ethiopia, the name of a son of Ham and of his territory, also of an Israelite. Good grief, do these, quote, scholars not use their Hebrew concordance? 
The, quote, Ethiopian woman was from Cush, a Cushite, descended from Ham, and was of the same racial stock as Abraham. Therefore Moses did not marry outside his race. Now, did Moses have two wives? That wasn't uncommon and allowed by God at the time. Let's answer this question with another one. Was Moses an Egyptian? Exodus 2.19 calls him just that, quote, An Egyptian delivered us, the daughters of Reuel, out of the hand of the shepherds. Moses looked like an Egyptian because of the way he was dressed and the cut of his hair. After living in Egypt, he may have even spoke like an Egyptian or had an Egyptian accent in his Israelite speech. But everyone knows Moses was Hebrew. Moses was an Israelite. One of Ham's sons was Mizraim, meaning Upper and Lower Egypt, Egyptians. It's historical fact that the first rulers of Egypt were were white. And you can actually see evidence of that in their own uh, in their own uh, ancient pictographs. Uh, a lot of the old pharaohs and stuff are are actually white. They depict that themselves, but that's more history that's suppressed. We just showed you that Cush was another of Ham's sons. Where was the country of the Cushites? Again, ask God in his book, the Bible. He will tell you. Genesis 10 tells us where the descendants of Ham spread, and if you read, you'll notice that Cush's son founded Babylon, which is in Iraq, not Ethiopia. The sun settled in what today is considered Asia, not African Ethiopia. The cities, such as Nineveh, were in Asia. Canaan was the promised land. In another location in the Bible, Judges 3.8, it says, quote, Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Shushan Rizathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Shushan Rizathaim eight years. Shushan Rizathaim means, quote, Shushan of double wickedness. Shushan or Kushan comes from Cush, which is translated Cush. The king was the king of the Cush, and he was the king of Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia means the land between the rivers and refers to the land between the Tigris and the Euphrates. It was in Iraq. Now, how can Cush be in African Ethiopia if Cush is in Mesopotamia? Were there two? Yes, generations later, there seems to be descendants of Cush who went into Africa, south of Egypt, and settled an area there. But this would have been centuries after the time of Moses. Habakkuk 3.7 says, quote, I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Here, a derivative name of Cush is associated with Midian in the northern Arabian Peninsula and not African Ethiopia. Cush was in eastern Mesopotamia and at times was part of the Babylonian Empire. They certainly were not a black race. This, quote, Cush flourished around 1500 B.C., right when Moses was alive and fleeing into the land of Midian and being called an Egyptian. What does this have to do with Moses and his wife? Well, Genesis 25.6 tells us that Abraham gave gifts to all his sons other than Isaac and sent them away eastward into the east country. Isaac was the son of promise, the covenant son, but Abraham loved his other sons and treated them fairly. Logic tells us that Midian, the son of Abraham, went and dwelled in the land of Cush. This is the land that would have been east of Abraham when he sent his sons away. Remember, Habakkuk puts Midian and Cush together. 
The Bible only has Moses marrying one wife, Zipporah the Midianite. Moses found her living in the land of Cush in the Tigris-Euphrates valleys. She most certainly was not black, but of the same racial stock as Moses, descended from Abraham. Moses, who was raised in the palace of the Pharaoh and educated as an Egyptian by the royal family, would not have married an Ethiopian or any other negress. Egyptian royalty didn't do that for centuries after the time of Moses. Truth is not racist. Truth is fact. Yes, Moses did not marry an Israelite from the direct line of Isaac and Jacob. His brother and sister taunted him with this fact because of their jealousy over his authority, authority given to him by God. But the wife of Moses was of his own race and a descendant of Abraham nonetheless. Mongrelization is the sin that God speaks against. Mongrelization destroys both races involved and both races need protected from this sin. It doesn't matter if the races involved in the mixing are white, black, black, Asian, Asian, white. All were made by God and God saw his glorious creation and declared, wow, this is very good. God then told his glorious creation to stick to their own kind. By mixing things up, man destroys what God has declared good. Three, Joseph and Azanoth. Although not specifically identified as Egyptian, most likely the wife of Joseph was Egyptian. Quote, and Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zapanoth Pania, and he gave him in marriage Azanoth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Or On. One of Ham's sons was Mizraim, which means, quote, upper and lower Egypt, Egyptians in Hebrew. It's historical fact that the rulers of at least the first six Egyptian dynasties were white. Ramses had red hair. Azanoth was a daughter of a priest of On, obviously from the ruling class. The Bible tells us that the firstborn of Egypt smote by God were the children of Ham. The Bible also says that, quote, Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. The story continues detailing how fruitful the Israelites were and that Ham became hateful. God had to send Moses and Aaron, and, quote, they wrought his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. Unfortunately, the children of Israel forgot God, their Savior, and the great things he had done for them in Egypt, quote, wondrous works in the land of Ham. That should be enough proof for you and that pesky sacred cow that the Egyptians, or at least some of them, were racial cousins to the Israelites. Joseph was an Israelite, son of Jacob, descended from Shem, the firstborn of Noah. Azanoth was a Hamite, a descendant of Ham, the secondborn of Noah. Joseph did not marry outside of his race. Like Moses, he did not marry a fellow Israelite, but in Joseph's times, there weren't any Israelites to marry. But also like Moses, Joseph did not marry outside his race. The priest of On, you have been taught, was a pagan god. You will have to rethink that belief. Quote, On was called Heliopolis in Greek, meaning the city of the sun, which points to the worship of Ra, the sun god. Ra is the Egyptian equivalent of the one true god, manifest through his spectacular creation, the sun. The religion was closely akin to the original Hebrew religion, a religion that we have little or no information about. We know about the later religion, the religion of Moses. The ancient city of On was famous for its obelisks called Cleopatra's Needles. 
and two of them survive today, one in London and the other in New York's Central Park. The children of Israel would have seen these obelisks before they left Egypt. Harper's Bible Dictionary says that this was one of the five cities in Egypt where Hebrew-speaking people would worship. Smith's Bible Dictionary says that it is the traditional place where Joseph and Mary took the infant Jesus to escape the wrath of King Herod. Because of the belief in the one true God, there was no clash of religion between Joseph and his wife. It's possible, likely even, that Potipharah practiced the old religion of Melchizedek. One more thought, if Joseph had married outside of both his race and religion, he could not have inherited the birthright of Israel. And since Joseph did inherit the birthright of Israel, his children had to be of the chosen holy seed. God's laws will not be mocked or changed, not even for Joseph. You're really curing your syndrome now. Four, stranger among you. Quote, and if a stranger sojourn with thee in the land, or your land, you shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born amongst you. And thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Oh my, the stranger is to be as the native among you. Seems like the critics scored one there. Did I? Do I hear happy hooves dancing? Not so fast. Because I know, and you should know as well by now, that God will never violate his own laws, including the law of kind after kind, as established in Genesis chapter 1. God's love and mercy extend to all his glorious creation. However, his original design is for every race to preserve their own unique creation. So what does this text mean? The word, quote, stranger is the Hebrew, quote, ger, and is Strong's 1616, meaning a guest. By implication, a foreigner, alien, sojourner. There is more than one word for stranger in Hebrew. The two most commonly used are Strong's 1616 and Strong's 2114. It's critically important that a distinction is made between the two words. Quote, And thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait on their priest's office. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Talking about the sanctuary. Obviously, the stranger in these two verses isn't allowed in the congregation of Israel on pain of death. What's the difference? The Hebrew word for, quote, stranger in these two verses is, quote, zuer, and means to turn aside, especially for lodging, hence to be a foreign, strange, profane specifically to commit adultery, come from another man or place, fanner, go away, stranger. The difference between the two strangers is clear. The stranger in the Leviticus text is only a foreigner by implication. The stranger in Numbers actually is a stranger or a foreigner. Not only that, the stranger in Numbers is profane. I don't have the space to get into the history of Israel here, but we already know that there are racial cousins to the Hebrews or Israelites that are acceptable to God. The wives of Moses and Joseph prove this fact. Then there are the Israelites that either left Egypt before the Exodus or left the encampment in the wilderness. Secular history proves this fact. Then there are Israelites that were taken captive by other nations and then freed or escaped. 
since God will not violate his own laws, including the law of kind after kind, it's obvious that these are the, quote, foreigners that are being talked about in Leviticus and in Ezekiel. They were strangers to the Israelites, but racially they were brothers. Just like when the Israelites dwelt with their racial kin in Egypt. That's what the text is saying in Leviticus 19. You were foreigners, strangers in Egypt at one time, and your racial cousins, the Egyptians, took you in. So when these same racial cousins come knocking at your door, be kind to them. They're your family. We can apply the same principle to ourselves today when we look at our, quote, cousins, the British, Swedish, Germans, Norwegians, etc. They're our family. When they're in need, we should not deny them, but love them as ourselves because we're racial brothers. I just love the word of God, but you have to be willing to search the scriptures for yourself or these things will easily are easily twisted to fit a worldview that is not God's, but is sick with sacred cow syndrome. God does not change. He doesn't tell the Israelites not to marry or mix with foreigners at one point and then tell them to go ahead and accept the practice at another time. Scripture provides no acceptance for those who advocate interracial marriage. God's word is clear. Kind after kind is God's way. Only racial kind is accepted as marriage partners. Five, Midianite women. In Numbers 31, the Israelites went to war against the Midianites and killed all the men, but they kept the women and children. When the warriors returned to the camp, Moses said, What have you done? You let the women and children live. These are the same women who caused Israel by the counsel of Balaam to act treacherously against the Lord at Peor. So they killed all the male children and adult women and kept 32,000 virgin girls. As stated previously, the Midianites were of the same racial stock as the Israelites since both were descended from Abraham. Race trumps religion. You can change your religion, not your race. 6. Marrying a captive woman. Religious leaders and theologians love to cite the instance in Deuteronomy 21.10-14 where the Israelites are told that they can capture a beautiful woman in war and keep her for their wife. Really, think about it. Would God go to all the trouble of ensuring the racial purity of his chosen people only to then tell them that when they go to war they can keep any beautiful woman they see? Theologians must get a real kick out of mocking God and his word. Read the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. How many times did the children of Israel war between each other? Over and over again they were fighting. Then, of course, there were the other tribes that were racial cousins, not just the Midianites just mentioned. There were lots of Adamite tribes all over the area that were not directly descended from the 12 tribes of Judah, but were still Adamites. Warring between all the factions was common, and captive women would have been perfectly acceptable as wives. God would never go against his own laws, and neither should you. Bottom line, you cannot use Deuteronomy 21.10-14 through 14 as an excuse for interracial marriage when placed against the rest of the Bible. Don't take any Bible verses or phrase out of context to, quote, prove your sacred cow theology. People try, try, you know. That's why we see churches today ordaining homosexuals and claiming the Bible gives them permission. These people who make a mockery of God's word are so infected with sacred cow syndrome that they condone what God has proclaimed sin, twisting scripture to fit modern behaviors. As you'll recall, God specifically listed several peoples that the Israelites absolutely could not mix with. 
And you and your ailing sacred cow are all, also are aware that the Israelites knew to follow gods kind after kind. They knew who the forbidden, rejected peoples were, and they knew what the consequences would be if they disregarded God's command in this regard. After finishing this book, so will you. 7. Egyptians and Edomites Another favorite gotcha that the religious leaders and advocates of interracial marriage love to point out is that Deuteronomy 23, 7-8 provides for the children of the Egyptian and Edomite after three generations to be accepted into the assembly of the Lord. Being allowed into the sanctuary meant full communion with Israelites, including marriage. So those who have an inclusive worldview pounce on these texts with glee as, quote, proof that God accepts marriages among all people. If only they would do their homework. As previously shown, the early Egyptians were descended from Mizraim, who was the son of Ham, who was the son of Noah, same racial stock as the Israelites. Both were descendants of Adam. How about Esau? Didn't I previously say he had married two Hittite women? That's right. But when Esau saw that Jacob was obedient to their father and that his wives were not pleasing to Isaac, he went and married a third wife. Quote, then went Esau into Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. Obviously, Ishmael, with an Egyptian mother, was of the same racial stock as Esau, and his offspring would be completely acceptable to marry. As long as they stayed within this racial stock, the Israelites were obeying God. At the time, the injunction was given to the Israelites. Both the Egyptians and Edomites were still white and of the same racial stock. Hundreds of years later, both peoples would racially mix with non-white populations and lose their heritage and racial identity. But at this time, all three peoples were still white, still, quote, brothers, and still acceptable to God. Notice, though, that the Egyptians and Edomites had to wait three generations before being allowed into the congregation. So even though they were of the same race, God made them wait. Three generations is at least 120 years. A generation in the Bible is 40 years. It would take that long to ensure that they assimilated into the faith of the Israelites. Right, patience is not one of my better virtues. If I had to wait 120 years to join a church, I'd either be extremely committed or I'd give up and go somewhere else. God, in his infinite wisdom, made sure that the children of Egyptians and Edomites were sincerely, fully committed to his ways before allowing them access to his people. After all, they came from idolatry and falsehood. It takes time to get sacred cow syndrome worked out of people. You can relate to that. Oh my, Deuteronomy 23, 7-8 just crumbled as an excuse to justify interracial marriage. One-blood mixer-uppers aren't so gleeful anymore, but God is joyful. 8. Hamitic Curse I hesitated to include this one in my list for fear of appearing to give validity to this ridiculous argument. But just in case some people out there still believe the curse of Ham, I decided that I should err on the side of caution and include this on my list. Plus, there's an explanation for what happened to Noah, and it's important to explain just what the curse is. In times past, the so-called Hamitic curse was interpreted to mean that Ham's curse was the Negro race. Proponents of slavery use this argument to justify keeping blacks in bondage. The Hamitic curse is completely false and has never been demonstrated to be true, not historically, linguistically, or factually. Definitely not racially. The descendants of Ham were Caucasian white, just like their father was. The race of a person doesn't change. 
The, quote, curse of Ham has also been used by those with an incorrect worldview to, quote, prove that the races of man came from the three sons of Noah. They claim that the white race came from Shem, the Asians from Japheth, and the Negroes from Ham. This, again, is refuted by history, linguistics, and science. All the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth were white, just like their father Noah. Sacred cow Christians who are determined to believe that there was only one set of people created in Genesis, Adam and Eve, must have a reason for the other races. So they twist scripture to fit their interpretation of God's word. Doesn't matter that truth gets lost in the theological scramble. The final point to be made on the Hamitic curse is that the curse wasn't even on Ham, but on his son, Canaan. Noah said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall, shall he be unto his brethren. Noah then said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. See, Ham wasn't cursed at all. Canaan was. Let's take a look at what happened, starting with Genesis 9.20. The Bible tells us that, quote, Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, and, and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. The two brothers, Shem and Japheth, make a garment and cover their father's nakedness backwards so that, quote, they do not see their father, father's nakedness. When Noah wakes up, he knows what Ham has done, but curses Canaan. Why is the son cursed for the deed of the father? Scholars have forever declared that because Ham saw his father naked, he performed a homosexual act on him, and that's why Ham was cursed. But the Bible is absolutely clear. Canaan is the one cursed, not Ham. Therefore, since Canaan was cursed, we must look deeper. The Bible will interpret the Bible if you let it. As we saw earlier, Leviticus chapter 18 has the laws on sexual relations for the children of Israel. Most of these laws deal with incest. And as usual, modern man doesn't bother looking at these laws. Here's where it gets interesting. Let's see what God has to say about the subject of nakedness in the chapter about unlawful sexual relations. Quote, None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother, thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou, shalt thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. The Revised Standard Version puts it just a little different. Quote, None of you shall approach anyone near of kin to him to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. Holy, not so sacred cow. The Bible just gave us the explanation of what happened to Noah, and it didn't happen, at least not physically, to him, but to his wife. When Noah was drunk, Ham took advantage of the situation. Quote, Ham saw the nakedness of his father. Clearly means that Ham committed incest with his mother and then bragged about it to his brothers. Shem and Japheth did not, quote, see the nakedness of their father, clearly means that they did not participate in the incestuous, incestuous act with their mother. Leviticus chapter 18 talks about not uncovering the nakedness of all kinds of family members, and it's all incest. Your son's daughter, your sister, your aunt, in all these cases, the Bible says not to, quote, uncover their nakedness. 
It does not use the word, quote, sex, but the meaning is obvious. Sex with family members is absolutely forbidden. God says that his chosen people were not to, quote, defile themselves in any of these sexual ways, which he calls abominations. God includes homosexually and sex with animals as forbidden behaviors because that is what the nations that he cast out before the Israelites had done. These perverse sexual acts had defiled the land and it had, quote, vomited out the previous inhabitants. God will explain his word and the Bible interprets itself. Man does not need to interpret God. Canaan was the result of incest. That's why the children of Israel were to never intermarry or mix with the Canaanites. Six of the seven forbidden races are direct descendants of Canaan. The seventh probably is a descendant. There's just no information about them. Just like the Moabites and Ammonites, these people were a cursed race from the start due to incest and abomination in the eyes of God then and now. The Israelites were told to destroy all the Canaanites before occupying the promised land, but they didn't. The Ephraimites didn't drive out the Canaanites, and they dwelt in the midst of them. What else happened to the Canaanites? They, quote, have become slaves to do forced labor. The tribe of Manasseh did the same thing, kept the Canaanites in their midst, quote, but when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor and did not utterly drive them out. Just like God had said through Noah centuries before, Canaan became the slave of Shem. God said it, I believe it, and so should you. Isn't his word wonderful? Sacred cows, ball your, ball your acknowledgement to God. He has saved you from unspeakable acts. All right, and that's uh, chapter 17 in our sacred cow history called Old Testament Racial Truths. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.